the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Christmas. So glad to see all of you here tonight. I want to tell you about a time when I was about 16 or 17 years old, and I was, uh, it was late one night, and I was just, just climbed into bed, and I realized I needed something downstairs. I didn't want to wake anybody else up who might be sleeping, so I just I slipped off as quietly as I could down the stairs, uh, confidently in the dark. And I got to the bottom of the stairs, and I turned the corner, and hands reached out of the darkness and grabbed my shoulders and said, Gotcha! I screamed like a schoolgirl. You might expect that a 17-year-old offensive lineman uh, would have responded with a little more bravado, but that might explain why our team wasn't very good. Um, My fear was met with my father's laughter, joyful and triumphant. He had uh, heard me coming and hidden in the dark, and yet it was the recognition of my father's voice that turned my fear into laughter itself. Maybe a little sheepish. Speaking of sheeps, I wonder if the shepherds might have responded just a little like that. Uh, when the angel appeared. Can you imagine? Uh, They were in the dark, under the night sky, just like every other night. They had had no reason to expect that this night would be any different. And yet, suddenly, the angel appeared, shining in the night, light where there was no light. They'd never seen anything like this before. I mean, the text doesn't make it sound like the angel made a a subtle or careful appearance. It must have felt a lot like, gotcha. And yet I imagine that just as my father's voice turned my fear to laughter, that the angel's voice, and specifically the angel's message, turned their fear into wonder and joy. Because what an announcement it was. Not gotcha, but fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all the people, for to you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now you may have noticed that that was actually just one of two announcements that we have in our scripture passages Tonight, two announcements about this baby's birth. The other was from Isaiah, spoken roughly 700 years before the baby was actually born. And this, too, is an announcement of light into darkness. But it would not have had that gotcha feel. It would have felt much more like an announcement on the radio or on the news that the war is over or that a shipment of food has arrived to a starving nation. Isaiah says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
Those who lived in a land of darkness, on them has a light shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Two announcements. 700 years apart about the same event, the same child, light shining in the darkness, and it is startling and surprising. It is healing and hopeful. But like two different trailers for the same blockbuster movie, these two announcements both declare the same good news of God breaking into our world, but not like a meteorite crashing in. The creator of the world from outside is born on the inside as a child. Like the hands of a loving and delightful father reaching out through the darkness to take hold of his children. God incarnate, born of a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothes and mighty to save. This child that the angel announces, this child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger, this child is Isaiah's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so I want to spend a little time tonight thinking about those four titles that Isaiah gives this child. Understanding a little more about this child that we are here to celebrate tonight. And wondering what these titles might have to do with us. So the first one is a Wonderful Counselor. This child is our Wonderful Counselor. I'm sure there are several things that we could say about this, but at least one of the things is to say that he is a God who speaks to his people. He offers wisdom. He offers counsel. He is not a God who folds his arms and demands that his people get it right without even telling them what right looks like. He speaks. He's a counselor. Now, if you've ever gone to see a counselor of some kind, then you probably experienced someone who looked you in the eye, who listened intently. You weren't a nameless face. You weren't a, a number lost in the crowd. Uh, you were told the truth when he or she spoke to you. The counselor knew you, gave you their full attention, had your best interest at heart. And this is a description of our God. He knows you. He has given you his full attention. He has your best interest at heart. One New Testament author writes that prior to Jesus, God spoke to his people through the prophets. But now God has spoken through his son. He is our wonderful counselor. And I learned this week that in saying that he is a wonderful counselor, not, Isaiah is not just saying that he's a really good counselor. What he's saying literally is that he is a 
wonder counselor. That is, he is a counselor of wonder. A counselor who is supernatural. A counselor who is divine. And that will bring us to our next title. That this child is mighty God. Now that's actually the testimony of Christmas, isn't it? And that's the definition of the word incarnate. The baby Jesus is God. And he's not some sort of newborn baby God or God Jr. He is God. Which means that the baby in the manger is the God who created and controls the universe. The Gospel of John says that all things were made through him and not one thing in creation was made apart from him. He's the Son of God. He is the agent of creation. He was there in the beginning, speaking the will of God the Father into existence. And so there's a sense in which those newborn lips that were crying in that Bethlehem night had also once spoken the words, let there be light, and there was light. And those precious little hands holding on to Mary's pinky had fashioned and hung the stars. Behind those sleeping eyes was the mind that imagined into being molecular science and sunsets and the rings of Saturn and duck-billed platypuses and laughter. The wood from the pews that you're sitting on the fiber in the clothes that you're wearing, the paper that you used to wrap presents, the water that you showered in this morning, and you yourselves, all made by Jesus, mighty God. You are His creation, and He loves all that He has made. And in fact, He came because He loves you. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. This mighty God, the Creator of all that is, He became incarnate. Maybe His greatest miracle, the Lord of heaven and earth making Himself small and placing Himself full of life into the womb of of a virgin, born not in a sanitized hospital with trained medical staff, but in a stable to a worried carpenter. I mean, just think of all that could have gone wrong, but it did not, because he was mighty, and he is mighty God. Now, the next one is tricky. This child is the everlasting father. It is tricky because we understand that God is three in one. Right? He is Trinitarian. That we understand that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we also understand that God the Father is not God the Son. They are unified in their will, and they are in perfect accord with one another, but they are distinct. God the Father is not God the Son. And so Isaiah cannot be saying that God the Son is God the Father. It's also tricky because the image of God as Father is painful for some folks. Uh, for some, 
not everybody, but for some, father means absent or angry or not coming through on his promises. And even for those of us who have had good fathers, they're not perfect. And my kids would jump up and say amen uh, to that. But I think that what Isaiah is getting at in this patriarchal, family-oriented society is that this child, this wonderful counselor and mighty God, that he has come to watch over us like a perfect parent. That he has come to be the one who cares perfectly for his children, who provides just what we need, who instructs, who disciplines us with love, who cheers you on in your activities, who's going to love you when you do something stupid, the wonderful counselor that you can go to when you need that fatherly advice. Isaiah is saying that as the everlasting or eternal father, that there will never be a time when his divine parental love for you runs out. And I think that that brings us well to Isaiah's last title for this baby in the manger. He is the Prince of Peace. Because isn't that what we're all after in some sense? Peace? Isn't that what we all crave? I mean, maybe, I mean, peace in a geopolitical sense would be great, but I mean, just for a minute, inner peace. A break from the crazy. A break from being pulled in a million directions. A break from feeling like you've got to prove yourself every minute. A break from the noise. A break from George Michael singing Last Christmas. That's probably not exactly what Isaiah meant, but I do think that, that this child can bring all those things if we understand him as the one who has come to give us peace with God. That's what Isaiah meant. And that's what the angel meant when he told the shepherds that the baby that they would find wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger was their Savior, the Messiah. Their Lord. We just sang to open the service, Hark the Herald Angels Sing by the great 18th century hymn writer Charles Wesley. And I think he captured this Prince of Peace message when he said, Hark the Herald Angels Sing Glory to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth and Mercy Mild, God and Sinners Reconciled. He's the Prince of Peace, God and sinners reconciled. Now, in my career, I have sat with a lot of people on their deathbed. And many, many times I have heard something like, well, I just hope that I've done enough. I just hope that I have been good enough. I just hope that God accepts me. I wonder if that resonates with you in any sense tonight. I mean, you're not on your deathbed here, obviously, but you know what happens when I die is, is part of that pressure, that part of that crazy that we carry around with us. And this 
baby came to institute peace between you and God. He came to live the perfect life. He came to die on the cross for our sins and then to rise to offer us everlasting life with Him. God and sinners reconciled. He's the Prince of Peace. He has declared that there is peace between you and God. So the pressure's off. Now, I I encourage you to live a life that honors that sacrificial love that He has given to you. Ultimately, that's going to be the best thing for you, much more satisfying, much less heartbreak. But hear me. This is the good news the angel was bringing to the shepherds. Your eternal destination is not determined by what you have done for Jesus, but by what He has done for you. Because He is the Prince of Peace. As St. Paul wrote, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because He's the Prince of Peace. Which means you do not have to sit in darkness wondering, have I done enough? You don't have to wonder if you've done enough good to make up for high school and college. You don't have to wonder if you've beat yourself up enough to satisfy Him. You don't have to wonder what waits for you after you die. Lift your eyes to Christmas' greatest gift. He is the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Wrapped not in reindeer paper and shiny bows, but swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. When my dad reached out of the darkness that night and scared me half to death, we were both laughing laughing, and he flipped on the lights and he chased away the darkness and he gave me this great big joyful hug to calm my fear. And I hope that will be a picture of Christmas to you. The light comes on, the darkness is chased away, and you receive the embrace of your loving Heavenly Father. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Light shining in the darkness, God and sinners reconciled. Oh, come, let us adore him. Merry Christmas. Amen.